0: Episode 1 Memories. Right. Hi, I'm Cass. Cassandra Baxter. Recording from the inside. That's what we call this place, the inside. Not very creative, I guess. It's a maze of rooms and corridors. No windows, though. Well, no real windows, only windows that look back on more of the inside. I miss the sky. It's funny, I never really looked at the sky much, but a few weeks without seeing it, and kind of suffocating. Everyone's dealing with claustrophobia, though, and Well, misery loves company, right? Though I sometimes think that we try harder to be content when those around us are suffering. Smiling to cheer up a friend. Cooking a good meal instead of just sitting by yourself and eating beans because you don't want to get out the frying pan for just one person. There's 25 of us here, all locked up. We don't know where we are. We could be a mile under the earth, or out in the middle of the ocean, or a block away from my house. And we wouldn't have a clue. Might as well be the last people left on earth. Anyway, these recordings serve as a physical record of who we are and what's happening, because... We... can't... trust our own memories? I found a journal written by a former tenant named Logan that sheds a bit of light on this nightmare of a reality. He wrote that we disappear. And when we do, the others here forget us. As crazy as it sounds, I guess I believe him because he's not here anymore and... Apparently I knew him. He definitely knew me. He wrote that people vanish. They're gone, and everyone in here gets a memory wipe of whoever it was. It's like they never existed. If we're forgetting people, then who knows what else we might be missing. But maybe, if we can keep ourselves from forgetting or at least pass this information on, we can get one step closer to escaping. Maybe we've already found the way out, but we've forgotten how to get there. I i could have... I could have found the way out and forgotten. I don't know. We decided to read Logan's journal for the first recording as a kind of... tribute. Thanks to him, it feels like we're making real progress towards understanding this place and hopefully finding a way out for the first time in... weeks. I... I hope he's okay out there, somewhere, but I've got a bad feeling, just, if you're not, then, I'm sorry, Logan. Okay. Writing of Logan Torres, dated November 4th, 2021. Recorded January 17th, 2022. This is not a final destination. More is wrong with the inside than we know. These halls, this place, whatever uproots us from our daily lives and places us in here, it does it again. One day, Jen was sitting beside me in the canteen, working mapping shifts with the twins. The next she was gone. And no one remembers. Why does no one remember? Did my parents forget me too the day I disappeared and ended up here? What about Callie and Jordan? Most minds are like sponges, information seeping in and out, constantly fluctuating reality. I don't forget things. Can't forget things every conversation preserved down to the punctuation that person spoke with. Cass suggested I try laying things out on paper since I have trouble staying in the present. My memories are a city, a bit like the inside, actually, but freer, open, with sky and trees and light and a breeze. My city sprawls full of winding alleyways and abandoned playgrounds. I try not to get lost, but I find myself walking across the doorways and falling up the skyscrapers of my mind. Similar to a dream, I can't get out until I realize the world I'm experiencing is of the past. To me, the weather consists of every individual wisp of cloud and whistle of wind and drop of rain. If I close my eyes, I can still go back and feel the storm against my skin. Warm rain soaks my hair in seconds as the world darkens, clouds thickening to reject sunlight before it hits the earth. The water splashes onto my feet as people dash inside shops or open umbrellas. Red, yellow, and black. So many black umbrellas dance. Five, seven, Six. Four. Two got on a bus. Six. Right now, we're 26. But in the 33 days I've been here, we've lost two, and one new person showed up. Anna Connell disappeared on the 23rd of October. Not sure exactly when, since she had a habit of turning invisible. Jen. Jennifer Galloway went just last night. The 3rd of November. I hope she's okay. I hope they are okay. Ah, quick side note. Cass here. It's, Logan includes some of his memories in his writing, and it can be hard to tell exactly where the story stops and the memory starts, or vice versa, so I've decided to read everything as written. It feels kind of right to do it that way, anyway. It can be confusing at times, though, so bear with me. (laughs) Well, back to Logan. I try to talk to the others about the missing people, but they just stare. The little lines in their irises stretching and compressing as their pupils dilate fractionally to adjust to subtle changes in light. They ask me, Who? They say, Anna? There was never an Anna here. Do you mean Hannah? Should I go get Hannah for you? For one person to forget someone else, sure, I could believe that. There are anomalies in people's memories all the time. But for everyone to suddenly lose hours of conversations and images at the same time of the same subject, impossible without some other factor at play. Something stealing, or blocking, or disrupting the memory. Something malicious about the inside, perhaps? That, or it's me. If I'm the only one who remembers something, the only one who thinks a certain way, I might be wrong. I finally cracked and my city is mutating, memories are crawling in through the crevices and then wiping away any traces of their invasion. But it all feels too real. Everyone I talk to doesn't remember how they arrived in the inside, but I do if I can follow the memory. Tracing a memory without getting sidetracked is like swimming in a lake without glancing down at the water plants that slip between loose clothing to slither across bare skin. Cass says writing might help me stay on track. Cass hands me a ballpoint pen and a stack of A4 papers, slightly crumpled around the edges. The green and blue band she wears around her pinky catches the light as she twists it. You can do it. Focus. Logan, we need you to focus. This, me again, this bit dashed any hopes I had that he didn't really know me. It's not someone with the same name, it's me. I got that ring from my nana. Back to Logan. We need you to focus. I will try to focus. Try to find the details of the events leading up to my stay here. The person who found me when I first arrived was Jennifer. I blinked when I crossed the threshold into this strange, cobbled-together reality, and when I looked up, there she was. For a moment, I thought I'd wandered into an old part of the city, found a memory hidden behind a roadblock, but something about the way her brows tilted and drew together convinced me otherwise. She steered me into a large room containing an assortment of tables and chairs, her fingers sending a steady pressure into my shoulder. The air hung around us, dead. So it took a few breaths before the scent of cooked vegetables and dish soap reached my nose. Cooked peas and mashed potatoes slap onto my plate, their added weight dropping my hands toward the tabletop before I compensate for it. Tired eyes meet mine through the swirling steam rising above the pan. Candlelight makes shadows dance over my father's face as he reaches for my mother's plate. She'll be home any moment, he mutters as he doles out a portion. The splattering sound it makes is blown away on a gust of wind, overlapped by the creaking of the door opening and boots crossing the threshold. A smile chases the exhaustion away as my mother enters the dining room, shaking rain out of her hair. Sorry, we had a new kid at work today. Got carried away, showing him the ropes. The people scattered about the room paused when Jen introduced me as, A new kid. A man in a faded purple sweater looked up from a pile of papers and apologized. When I asked him what he was sorry for, he grinned and said, Sorry that Jen had to be the one to find you. She didn't explain anything to you yet, did she? He gestured at the space around us, the walls crowded with doors. A single grandfather clock stood next to the only window at the far end of the room. Its hands slowly spun past 534. 534 glows in the bottom corner of the desktop screen. 26 minutes until closing time. I gather the papers in my arms and log out. Focus fills the room, almost audible in the spaces left between the whispers of paper and people. I slide off the wooden chair and carry my books to the checkout, toes pinching in my slightly too tight blue sneakers. Hello, Logan. The librarian behind the counter peers down at me, she takes the books and my card, the plastic worm from waiting in my pocket. Venice is a beautiful city. If you'd like to see more pictures of unique architecture, then you can look in Section 5D, or I can help you find some. Is it for a school project? No, I'm curious about how it was constructed. I reach up and take the books back then make my way past the temporary glass art installment, all bubbles and wavy lines frozen in an unmoving shape, out to the curbside. I settle on the worn wooden bench to wait for my mother and think about the twisting, fractured city I hold in my hands. Those tiny islands of stone and wood connect over and over as though some giant hand sewed them together with bridges instead of thread. A nasal car horn blares, startling me out of my reverie. An explosion echoed throughout the room as one of the nearby tables burst into flames. The culprit, a wispy girl in a sky-blue dress, popped out from behind the crackling furniture, apologized profusely, and then proceeded to push her hands into the flames. She closed her eyes and breathed the fire in absorbing the flames and leaving behind charred bits of wood and paper. The man in the purple sweater, I later learned his name is Nate, wished me welcome to the inside as Jen punched him in the arm. His laughter followed us into the hallway as one of the dozen doors swung closed behind us. Jen did show me around and explain things after that. Well, she had me join her shift, and they did most of the explaining— She was good like that, the older sister of the crew. Some people light up my city, lamps in the alleyways or billboard advertisements blinking into the night. One conversation with Jen stands out in particular. It glows softly throughout my neighborhoods, stringing lanterns and trees adorning the quieter streets. She shoved her hair out of her eyes for the third time since we'd sat down. Brows drawn, mouth twitching, eyes narrow, gone in an instant. Remind me to ask Hannah for scissors when we get back. Where was I? My hands freeze, sandwich halfway to my mouth. The chemical processes are still being researched, which is what makes it such an interesting field, I repeat. Jen stares at me a moment. Right, I forgot you could do that. Word for word, impressive as always, kid. We sit for a moment after that. Slowly, I lift the question I've been holding onto the longest out into the air. Do you wish you weren't the way you are? Her gaze stops wandering around the room below us, a small library with a few chairs and a bare wooden countertop, and snaps to my face. Her feet, still, no longer swinging lazily through the air like a child sitting on the dock in summer. His swimming shorts drip water that soaks into the grey wood, making it swell and bringing back the barest hint of warm brown. He holds a popsicle in one hand, yellow lemon on his breath when he turns to me, squinting against the setting sun. Logan, don't you want to go in? You promised. Hey, kid, you with me? Jen's hand is on my shoulder. Yeah, sorry. No worries, she shrugs. About what you said, do you mean my ability? I nod. She considers a moment, then smiles a small, strong smile. No. No. I don't. If I wasn't the way I am, then someone would be dead. Whenever it's hard, or frustrating, or lonely, I remind myself of that person. You saved someone's life. My words come out low and quiet. A bite of cheese and tomato sandwich sits in my throat like a marble. She nods, folding her hands in her lap for a moment, nails digging into softening calluses. Calluses that are slowly fading with each day spent in this cage we call the inside. We went back to work after that, climbing down from the living room. The sitting area, half imposed on the tiny French library, had become our favorite place to eat lunch. From day one of its discovery, we had both ignored the plushy blue designer chairs, instead opting to sit on the wooden floorboards, letting our feet hang just above the tops of the bookshelves of the room below. I liked the way that looking from above highlighted all the flat surfaces that I usually couldn't see, forming an uneven grid of rectangles. A new question bloomed in my mind that day. This time, I waited only until the next lunch break to give it breath. Whose life did you save? Jen took a deep breath, told me not to zone out on her, and then began. She'd been in New Zealand for a few weeks when a massive earthquake hit. Her hands tremble, then press into her jeans. I was trained to deal with stress, you know? She looks at me, eyes wide, chin down, shoulders lowered. I nod. Volunteer firefighting. It's different when you're expecting it, but this... It was like a dream. My head felt fuzzy and my heart refused to accept what I knew with my mind. I'm all too familiar with the feeling. Sometimes I can't tell when I'm lost in my memories, and the thing that warns me is that it all feels slightly too still. Like sound isolated on a snowy day. A bit too clean. Clear. Crisp. Sometimes, when I find a good memory, I pretend not to know. I stay in that moment for just a little while living there as though it's the present but even when you are in a situation like that knowing and recognizing are not enough to get out she continues her eyes close for a moment I woke up at night to the world mumbling then falling silent then it was falling around me everything shaking and groaning and shattering. I got out. My bedroom window was on the ground floor, so the sounds of a neighborhood tearing apart from the inside gave way to car alarms, barking dogs, and voices crying out. Across the street from me, a mother and daughter threw aside bricks and bits of roofing, coughing and crying. The father, husband, he he was trapped. I helped them. Jen puzzles with her words for a moment, then draws breath. I looked, in my way. As soon as I peeked, colorful specters dotted my vision. In the houses next to me, all their hues remained vibrant, but a few doors down, an orange figure faded to grey. When I looked out, far. There were so many people. So many colors. In the distance, some of those dots flickered and faded. Then disappeared. She looks up. I don't mean to... I decided to focus on what I could do. Her strength. That sense that she could stand alone on a bridge and shout her name to the world without hiding behind a blush faded. I almost stopped her there, but before I could come up with some excuse about us needing to start our shift, she continued. I'll always wonder, though, if I could have done more for them. I had to keep choosing. Stabilize him because his colors are starting to shift, but not yet fade. The color shifting at that rate means he'll make it if I help. But then I have to wait for an ambulance that could take hours to arrive. Or do I go help the family in 3B dig their child out of the rubble that was once their bathroom? How long do I sit and wait for the ambulance? I can find the child in the bathroom, a small, glowing blue shape. But the two taller green forms outside the collapsed house are trying to get into a different room, probably the bedroom. Cerulean blue means the child is fine, but the house is unstable so it could collapse. Go to the apartment, with two healthy people who seem to be trapped and could be in danger of an aftershock or go to the other side of the building where the floor looks only half intact but four people are hurt and might be fine after a little first aid? I don't even know. I wasn't thinking clearly. Certainly not by the end of it. There were so many people. These two guys who were uninjured saw the mess in that apartment and help to get the others out. We ended up working together. She pauses, eyebrows drawing together. There's a little too much color in her face. A little too much pink glowing up under the tan. They, in hindsight, they never asked me how I knew where to look. Jen shakes her head. I can't even remember if we said goodbye to each other. At some point, I think midday, the relief forces had the zone under control and extra help had arrived. Her tone lightens in a manner that reminds me of my grandfather stretching, full of crackles and pops. Creaky. I I must have slept for a full day afterwards. I met one of the families later, at the grocery store. They bought me coffee. When they found out I still had a week before my flight out, and that I'd been bunking in one of the emergency shelters, they insisted I stay with them. Their son, who'd been trapped in a public restroom while they were out trying to watch a meteor shower, was still in the hospital. She examines the palm of her hand before her focus swings back to me. You asked if I wished I were normal. I don't correct her, it's close enough. I used to be afraid of the ghosts I could see moving in the dark at night. I used to hate hospitals. Still do, I suppose. Yes, life would be easier if I were normal, but that's not enough to make me want it. A moment passes. Thank you, I say. That's the memory in the lanterns that line the streets in the newest part of my city. When I step up close, I smell cheese and tomato sandwiches and hundreds of books. I hear Jen's voice as she answers my questions. The punctuation she spoke with, and the silence that fell when she had trouble finding her words. The trail of lanterns ends with the day she disappeared. Not long after she told me her story, she was gone. She didn't show up to breakfast, and when our shift rolled around, everyone in the crew headed out without a word. I asked them if Jen was already out, and they looked at me like I'd gone mad. That's when I knew she wouldn't be coming back. The still... Bitter taste of that morning hangs around the last of Jen's lanterns in my city. When I turn my back on the stale air and walk up the street, from light to light, past lunches in the library, past the grandfather clock and the smell of singed paper, past meeting Jen for the first time, I find a rupture in the cobblestones. Looking across the split in the earth, I can see my arrival the moment I entered this place. That's it. The end of Logan's story. Or at least what I could make of it. It's really difficult when someone keeps... The way he... Falls into his memories. I suppose it must be hard. It's hard enough to keep track of what he's trying to get at when I'm reading them. I... I can't imagine experiencing them anyway the rest of the pages are missing i feel like the next part is the most important the part of the memory he was trying to reach he was almost there i mean i mean he probably wrote it down and we're missing it the moment he entered this place I wish we knew. The scavengers are going to keep an eye out for the rest of his writing, but I can't imagine why it would have been separated from the original. Did he never finish? If the inside is somehow sentient, I bet it's laughing right now. I showed Logan's journal to everyone during last night's meeting. No one remembers him. I don't remember him. I don't know what's going on, but in case we're disappearing from the inside and each other's memories, I, I want to gather everyone's stories here to keep track of who exists. Who knows, remembering might even help us figure out how or why we got here. Part of me is... Part of me is afraid that I'll disappear tonight. It feels like these walls contain a consciousness, and I can only imagine that what I'm doing now goes against its will. I just want to go home. The Inside is an audio drama podcast written by Annika Room. This episode was edited by Morgana Bird and Tessa Room. It features Annika Leave Room as Cassandra Baxter. The inside is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial ShareAlike 4.0 International License. For more information or to get in touch, visit ochremoments.com/projects.